My name is Jay Danner. I'm an ensemble member of the Village Repertory Company. I will be your host for today's episode of Village Idiocy, Conversations from Wolf Street Playhouse. Today's episode, we will be talking with Village Rep's producing artistic director, Keely Enright, who is also the director of the new production, Ben Butler by Richard Strand, playing March 28th through April 14th in the side stage here at Wolf Street Playhouse. Hey, Keely. Hi, Jay. Hi. So, um, for the people who are listening, my name's Jay Danner. I'm one of the ensemble members here, and I am the host of our first podcast from Wolf Street Playhouse. Hey, I'm excited. I am, too. Yeah. So, um, the, the show that we're going to talk about today is Ben Butler by Richard Strand. Strand. So, tell me, I'm curious, how you chose this play, and in general, how do you choose plays when you're reading them? Is there a a checklist that you have, you go, oh, well, this one's going to bring in all these people, or this one's funny, or this one's, what What do you look for? All of those things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wish I had one way that I did it, but yeah. I don't. I tend to spend a lot of my spare time reading plays. People bring me ideas all the time, or send me in a direction, or I check out what's going on in New York, or you look at what's happening regionally. Mm-hmm. American Theater Magazine's another great source for right. what the great new works are that are going on around the nation. Mm-hmm. Every year, this is hard to explain, but I think you can probably look at my psychological state. If you go back and look over the last 18 years of shows, sometimes you'll be like, I don't know what kind of mood she was in that right? year. Last year, it was we, we, we dealt with a lot of uh, psychological issues in the plays. Yeah, so I noticed like, that you, I, I was like, oh, Keeley's interested in technology and the way that affects the human race and historical novels and those being translated into plays, yeah. which are have mass appeal, I think. Sometimes. Uh, some years are different. I, I think this year, yes, we definitely seem to have a lot of either historical characters and or uh, like, for instance, Treasure Island and or Vanity Fair, mm-hmm. literary pieces that have some sort of significance. Yeah. And I don't know that I'm very thoughtful sometimes. It's really what is moving me in any mm-hmm. given season and what feels good to me. I mean, I really do think that. This year, I had a little bit of a sense of wanting to tell more women's stories. Um, And as a female artistic director, ironically, I don't often tell as many female stories as as I should. And so with that in mind, really the kickoff this year was Treasure Island um, being told with Jim as a female. And when we found that adaptation, it sort of got me rolling with some other things this season. Um, Vanity Fair, uh, the character Becky Sharp, All About You, which was Liz Butler Duren's original story, sort of her life story. What else sort of had a female bent? Even the last musical we did was sort of a, a young turn of the century heroine and looking at life. And that was that Dad, was Daddy, Daddy Long Legs, which was great. Uh, which was great. So yeah. this sort of had a little bit more of a female-based, female-driven season than than maybe others. Of course, that does not apply in And in this place specifically, because yeah. no ladies at all. Right. And I felt like I, I couldn't find another play by him that had been had gotten any notoriety so maybe this is one of his first right I had I was not familiar with Richard Strand yeah. as a playwright um, honestly I came upon the show I I am very very fond of 
of Civil War history. I mean, we live in Charleston. There's kind of hard it's not to. You. It's around um, you. It's around you. Statues always, in the park. And yeah, there's no way to get away from it. But flags. I find it fascinating. Yeah. I've always found it fascinating. Yeah. Um, five years ago now, gosh, six years ago almost, um, we did a Matt, uh, Matthew Lopez's The Whipping Man, which was one of the most powerful plays that we have ever done in 18 years of uh, doing heard. theater. I've, I'm, I and, missed it, but I and so when when it's so funny when I saw this play, it sort of it made me remember that one. Yeah. Now the Whipping Man was a drama, yeah. but what was cool about it when you do a Civil War play that's set in the South in a Southern community, it resonates in such a different way than that. Yeah. You know, I'm originally from California, so to have done let's say the Whipping Man on the West Coast, it has a certain vibe. I mean, it's a great play no, mar- no matter where you do it. But yeah. if you set a play like The Whipping Man in Charleston, it is really touching nerves in ways that are, are so real still mm-hmm. as far as the war is. So this is a comedy, Ben Butler. It's a funny, witty, bright, and modern comedy that's set in a true time with true life characters. Yeah. But what I thought was so brilliant was that it told history in such a clever, dynamic way the way he uses dialogue, history literally leaps off the page at you. And I know this sounds nerdy, but I wish I had nine performances and all high school history students in for it because you will learn this history in a way that it will stay with you forever. And if it can be done with humor and if it can be done in a way that a modern audience understands the ramifications of what was real life and death yeah. stakes at that time, that's what. You know, how, do, how often do you find a play that's funny? That's quick, that gets people thinking and laughing, and also tells you what the heck was going on in the midst of the most horrible conflict right. in our nation's history. Like, how do you find comedy and all that suffering? Exactly. War, slavery, country was being torn apart, mm-hmm. and everyone was still human beings. Yeah. And, and so it just brings you down to this, this small little room. Mm-hmm. With just four characters. People talking, and all the characters are, are, are so well-written. Yeah. And so specific. And they are so not necessarily what you expect them to be on no. their face. Uh-uh. Um, that's what's so genius about it. I just absolutely fell in love with this play when I read it and didn't know where we would put it in the season, but I knew I wanted to do it, and I knew that it was a really important show to be done here in Charleston. I actually reached out to Richard Strand, uh, who teaches drama on the other coast, and sort of got his blessing for us to do it here. Oh, so we're very excited to be. Do to you do that it. often? Do you reach out to the writer that's um, of the play and not, let them know what's going on? Not often enough. Uh, you know, you tend to kind of live through the royalty houses and, and do what's available. That is how our next play, Hollywood, yep. um, by Jody Pietro, we, I also reached out to the playwright for other reasons we can discuss in another okay, podcast. Okay, that'll be our next conversation. <laughs> I might not be on that one, but someone will. <laughs> so that's cool. And I think that as an artist, as a writer, they would be excited to hear from people who are interpret. I mean, there is some sort of interpretation of their art. I you think know, he was. Just from taking it off the written page and putting it live. Anyway, so I, yeah, I was struck by how I said this to you earlier, how I, my first thought in that first scene is this is like a really smart legal comedy on television. Like a really well written, entertaining. It feels almost like almost Aaron Sorkin esque yeah. in certain mm-hmm. moments. Like I was like, sounds like see, these great scenes from Ally McBeal, like where uh-huh. it's like this weird mix of yeah. comedy David e. Kelly, yeah. and David E. Kelly, like these these smart lawyers who know how to write mm-hmm. really funny dialogue, but has a real message. Yeah. And so, which it, I thought it was great. Yeah. I, I'm excited about it. 
I'm curious when you read a play, just as someone who's directed in the past myself, do you like, do you read a play and automatically picture an actor you know in the part or do you try to clear your mind? I find it impossible to do that, but yeah. I always... I, it, I find it impossible. In. It's really hard, isn't it, for you to relate to characters if you don't somehow... I, not not every character. Sometimes there's sort of yeah. a hazy that you're not exactly sure how that person's going to shake out. I find casting to be one of my most favorite parts yeah. of my job. I mean, it's just my thrill. So when you can get a cast um, that you sort of have in your mind's eye, and then there are times, like with the last show, where I didn't have the male protagonist um, cast and the guy who walked in the door to audition was like he stepped off the page. You know, sometimes you just have those happy theater accidents where you're like, you're you're the guy. You're you're just this guy. The Daddy um, Long Legs yeah, play. Yeah, in Daddy Long Legs. But in this instance, um, I pretty much immediately had the, the three of the four main characters cast in my head yeah. almost as soon as I read it. Yeah. Uh, it just makes the show... It makes it easy for you to read it, and it's, it makes it easier for you to see it in front of an audience, yeah. knowing the tone and the flavor. I mean, yeah. it's funny how... And knowing Robbie Tom, Thomas, Thomas, who's playing the lead, mm-hmm. and being an ensemble member here and seeing him on stage so many times, and the associate artistic director, he we is, should say. yes. He's like, who else would do it but him? I know. Right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's like, the, there's an, I can't see anybody else. So it's like, you found the perfect play... For Robbie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, I mean, he's perfect on so many levels, but that play, I feel like he's tailor-made for that part. Keely, talk about the, the context of the play. Uh, I guess married with the tone, which is always, I feel like, one of the hardest things when you're directing a play. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I like the way you said Ally McBeal, because that's sort of kind of right on. It's sort of a little bit off beat, but yet at the same time, they're serious topics. Yeah. So the context, this is interesting. So historically, as much as I really and I've always been fascinated with Civil War history. I, I didn't know this story, and shame on me. Me either. Um, yeah. I had never heard of the the name Ben Butler, to be honest. I kept saying Benjamin Button, you know, right, which is exactly. weird, which doesn't make any sense. Um, but, you know, just a simple Wikipedia search was really, there was so much to read. Oh, yeah. So I said, I, I got to go to bed. This it's, is really going to take me all night. He's, yeah, yeah he's, he was quite a character. So... Um, Our play takes place uh, three months after the attack on Fort Sumter. So the war is just beginning in the early infancy of what will be such a horrible conflict. So we're three months in at the time um, of this story. And again, keeping in mind that this is a true story. Ben Butler had been in the military for about a month. He was actually a lawyer from Massachusetts, had been a big supporter, ironically, of Jefferson Davis, so while he now finds himself a general in the Union Army three months after the Fort Sumter situation, it's just such an interesting time. The people that knew other people, you know, it's so commingled you forget because they become these kind of dead, dusty old characters from our history books. And when you really think about these people, they, they, they all knew each other. And they all, it was, they were one United States yeah. of America. And to have this separation happen so quickly... And so he finds himself a general at Fort Monroe in Virginia. With almost what I read was almost no military experience at all. None. He's a lawyer. He's just right. a lawyer from Massachusetts who happened Give to be a uniform, and yeah. now he's in charge. Yeah. So our story takes place there at, um, at Fort Monroe. And at this particular time, again, based on true, true life facts, mm-hmm. Shepard Mallory and two of his companions are runaway slaves. They have left um, Sewell's Point, and they have fled 
to basically throw themselves on the mercy of, of this Union Fort. And is it true that he fits in South Carolina that he's running from? No, no, oh, no, no, no. Sewell's Point is right there in Virginia. Oh, it's in Virginia. So okay. he's he's they're they're throwing themselves at the mercy of the Union Fort in hopes that the Union Fort will grant them sanctuary. Gotcha. They're fugitives running, and they want sanctuary. Well, and again, not to get too complicated and you know, or the, give away too much. Right. It, it, the the law of the day. You know, um, Lincoln was really hoping to bring the seceded um, states back mm-hmm. into the Union. So they were really not interested in, in taking slaves away from plantations and the, and the laws as they, as they stood. There, there, there was laws in place, and you had to live up to those laws. Right. Ben Butler is the man who brought the legal case that slaves be, could be considered contraband because this was a time of war. That opens a whole new can of worms. By bringing contraband to the table, he changes, well, he changes the face of of history for many, many African Americans. And once this contraband law gets put into a place, you you really can't reverse it. Um, So our play really just takes place over a couple of days, and it's all about this real-life situation that Ben Butler found himself dealing with and initially with these three runaway slaves and what to do with them. And I don't know how else to explain it. That, <laughs> and and I, I finished reading it last night, and that's one of, the, one of the most fascinating scenes in the play, this whole conversation, debate about contraband, do I call myself this, what it means for the Union Army, what that means for the Confederate Army. Right. And it, uh, it are, seems like the stakes? the stakes are so high. They're so high, as we so know. You I go, mean, yeah. It, it was it was only going to get worse from here. Mm-hmm. But it's very, very, it, it's awful to say fun, but it is. It's fun to watch them make their case. And the humor doesn't take away from the seriousness of what was actually happening, yeah. but it does make it very, it keeps your interest. And for a modern audience, I think at the end of the day, however you can get the thoughts across, you will come away from Ben Butler absolutely knowing exactly what happened in 1861 at Fort Monroe, mm-hmm. and you won't forget. Mm-hmm. And you also will just have a new uh, – I do a lot of historical plays because I love that. If, yeah. if, they're, if it's a historic story told well, it's no longer history. It's just – it's what theater should be, not in every case, but often. Yeah, I like that idea that you can be entertaining and tell a story that's got a message. A message and makes – it just illuminates – what life was like and people's perspective. You know, yeah. um, I've had some people ask me, well, how do you how do you make light of this? And, and uh, especially here in the South, how do you make light of all of this? And then you have this African-American story. And it's, it is truly, um, Shepard Mallory is basically our protagonist. And he is sort of the leader of these three. We only see Shepard. Yeah. He's sort of the spokesperson for the three slaves that have escaped. So how do you make light of it? It's not making light it's of not it. It's not making light of it. And, and it, as because it's a comedy, it, yeah. Doesn't make light of this it's, topic um, at all. It's in the frustration and the exasperation of the characters in the situation that they're in. It's almost a situational comedy. It's not a comedy. The what the situation that they're in and the pressure that they're under. It is a situational you comedy. You're, like, you're absolutely right. It's a like, horrible situation. Horrible situation. But, but it is a you comedy. can still. It, it's just well written. Yeah. I mean, there's no other way to to say it. I mean, it's just funny. Yeah, and it's it's. I, is, I'm really going to be excited to get an audience in to see it, to get their perspective. Much like when we, like I said, when we did The Whipping Man, we had a lot of people come into The Whipping Man, and I have to tell you, really um, keyed up 
and defensive about what they thought that was going to be. Everybody who left that show was so enlightened um, and just lighter and just more able to see the world and that historic perspective from a new vantage point. Yeah. And hopefully we're going to get the same with this. I, I feel like we will. I think you will. And I think that people who are listening to this will come see it and understand that this this writer sidesteps and you as the storyteller and the director, these landmines that you could step on, but it just sort of hovers right above it. And it's just funny. I mean, I don't know what else to say, it's right? It's just funny. Yeah. Uh, the New York Times, I, I was looking, I was like, let me look this up. And so they said, the, it's a Civil War skirmish fought with bondage or something. I can't even pronounce it. I had to look it up. Mm. So it's, um, right, they, you know, it's the New York Times, so they're yeah. probably trying to sound fancy. But it, it just means with, with witty repartee. Mm-hmm. And that's really, it is. That's what it is. Yeah. Did you decide to cut it into two acts or did you decide to keep it one? We actually did decide to take a break. And I'll tell you, um, we, we went back and forth on that. But it, it breaks real think, nicely, mm-hmm. and there's so much mental sparring. Yeah, and Robbie and so who much plays, information. And, yeah. and, and Robbie plays Ben Butler, and he does a lot of talking. And let me tell you, those wool Union Army suits are heavy I and think they're of that. hot. So I he really needs ten minutes just to take it off and maybe have some water. And maybe his character back. has a, like a little handkerchief. <laughs> I'll dab your face. Sometimes, I mean, <laughs> like, it's. Can I you, have you, some water? You look at these costumes, and they are—they're, yeah. you know, pounds of wool. It makes you so aware of just how. Oh my gosh! Can you imagine to be here in this part of the country fighting a war in wool? And wool. Just, and and women in corsets and like so you know much. layers and layers of clothing. Even just every your everyday life. Just your life. everyday life. And how uh, did you? How the, did they manage? The costumes are pretty authentic. So uh, people fainted a lot. I, I, I I'm hoping Robbie won't faint. So we're taking a ten minute break. <laughs> yeah. And sell some beer. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> Put some money in the till. So there's four characters. So obviously um, General Ben Butler yeah. and Shepard Mallory is our runaway slave. And so uh, also joining them is Lieutenant Kelly. He's played by Patrick Arnheim. And this is a real, this isn't a composite character. Uh, Lieutenant, Lieutenant Kelly, Kelly I, can't, real, I can't speak yeah. to. I really don't know. Okay. Uh, Lieutenant Kelly is basically, um, he's a West Point graduate officer, um, very much a military man. And as we said, Ben Butler is was a lawyer. He's right. been in a hot minute. He is not military at all. So right. there's a lot of friction and they have their own very interesting and hilarious, hilarious. relationship. But he, he ends up playing very much the right-hand man to, to General Butler. And then into our scene comes the antagonist, um, Major Carey, who's the Confederate major, who comes over to retrieve these runaway slaves. And it is the, the largest part of the sparring happens in the very important scene between this now Confederate officer and the Union General Butler. And is it true that he, this I guess you can say character. Mm-hmm. He is the he owns these slaves, no, or is he, he representing? He's, a, he's representing the, the owner. owner of the slaves. Mm-hmm. Okay, Brad, who is one of the Brad Leon. Brad Leon plays plays our general, one of the absolutely funniest and most talented actors that I have luckily known for more I than agree. fifteen and, years. You know, and I've worked. That, I saw him here. Brad is brilliant, yeah. and he just makes me laugh no matter what he ever does. Mm-hmm. So he comes in with, golly, he's got a little bit of um, Lindsey Graham. They might yeah. be reminiscent of in his in his Confederate glory as he mm-hmm. comes in to the scene. And he is quite a wonderful foil for Robbie's General Butler. 
it's it's just delicious it's, to watch it is delicious it is yeah reading it i could i, I just can't wait to see it live so uh, our fun. four really make up a one and then i uh, uh ossie lassane is a young actor who plays shepherd mallory and uh, i can't say enough about ossie because shepherd is a difficult character and it's written he's very complicated and i think that's what richard strand does so well is he doesn't play any kind of a stereotype what he has to say to these white men, these union men who have not dealt with African Americans in their life at all, right. is important. And even though the the humor is there and it's very much in the forefront, Shepard has a lot of good things to say. He's also probably the smartest guy in the show. He's sort of two two or three steps ahead of everybody yep. else all the way through. And Ossie's doing a, a ter- terrific job in the role. That's exciting. It's always fun to see new people. Yeah. And he's is this, is this his first show? Here? No, no. I've uh, worked with Aussie for the last couple of years. He's uh, a young young actor. He's just graduating high school, so he's off to college in a, a few months. But he's done. I think this is the fourth uh, production he's done with me. He's carrying a lot on his shoulders. Just it's not a stereotype. So he's there's a lot of colors to mm-hmm. to this character. Awesome. How can people get tickets? They can now? go online to WolfStreetPlayhouse.com. We will run through April 14th. So get your tickets now. Get them now, kids. You know, as we wrap it up, I was looking up Ben Butler's life and some of the things that he'd done, and I think he was very eccentric. I thought, <laughs> in a way, yeah, very colorful. He's done character. so many things. Mm-hmm. So we'll close with what's on his tombstone. Okay. It is the true touchstone of civil liberty is not that all men are equal but that every man has the right to be the equal of every other man, if he can. <laughs> wow. And, I hadn't uh, heard that. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, well, it sounds, it sounds so lofty, and then dot, 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 if he can. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> Isn't that funny? So that might give you an idea. I think that might have been a jumping off place for Richard Strand, who wrote the play. I think it's, so, too. It's um, clever. That's awesome. Clever. Thank you for listening. I'm Jay Danner. We'd like to thank our editor for this episode, Karen Black, technical consultant, Anna Davis, and producing director, Keely Enright. Producers for Village Idiocy are Brian Turner and Jay Danner. If you like what you heard and you'd like to hear more, please consider donating to support this podcast and the Playhouse. You can check us out online at villagerep.com for show dates and tickets. Thank you. Thank you.